You didn't know? It's me, it's me, it's that D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. And if you ain't down with that, I got two words for you. Suck it. Hey, this is Badass Billy Gunn. My name is Armando Alejandro Estrada. <laughs> hey, it's Rotor Animal. <laughs> Yo, monkeys, it's me, T-T-P, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion. And you, well, you, monkey, stay tuned or you will feel bang. I am the genius of the glory and renown, Lanny Poppins. What's up, all you stars and stars? This is Mariette. This is Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michael, Mr. Hall of Fame, 2011 on SNS Radio Network. See ya! And I wouldn't want to be here. The world is listening.
moments and old school themes providing nothing but pro wrestling nostalgia welcome to beyond the bell on the sns radio network your host ring announcer sean beckerman here with you fans and we have an exciting show for you here this evening as we look back at the 25 signs you're a wwf 1980s wrestling fan ladies and gentlemen i'm vince mcmahon and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the very first edition of the home video series of the World Wrestling Federation, in which you'll see highlights and excitement as never before. And the very first edition of the highlights of the World Wrestling Federation, Volume 1. Best of. Best of, <laughs> goddamn. Best of. Best of. Rewrite it. Let's try it one more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best of Volume 1, the best indeed of the World Wrestling Federation highlights as seen only here on the home video series of the World Wrestling Federation. Highlights as never before seen, excitement galore, and you'll see them in the very first edition as we will progress. Da-da-da-da-da. Where the hell am I going? Hello, everyone, and... Oh, Jesus. Keep it rolling. I forgot my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the best of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> I was going to get that in there. <laughs> I'll get the 16 for sure. Hello, everyone, I'm welcome. <laughs> Wait a minute, let's get this, this is over. Uh, Take 15. Okay, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon. Welcome you to the very best of the World Wrestling Federation. Highlights you've never before. <laughs> and again. You 
Many of us who like 80s pro wrestling and watched such WWF shows as Championship Wrestling and Primetime Wrestling, which was the precursor to WWE Monday Night Raw, have grown nostalgic for these golden days. So after hours and hours of scientific research from the Beyond the Bell Academy of Arts and Sciences, we have compiled the top 25 signs that you're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. So get ready, fans. We have great, great audio for, to play for you, as well as we'll look back at some of the stars of the 80s, as we'll play some clips from the Superstars of the 80s DVD set by World Wrestling Entertainment that was released a few years ago. So we'll look back at some of the greatest stars in the WWF in the 1980s, and we'll, we'll check your temperature to make sure you fit in line with these 25 signs to make sure you're a true 1980s WWF wrestling fan. What more can I say right there? It's going to be an exciting show featuring audio from the 1980s, taking you back, and quite possibly you may not have heard these clips ever, or if not, it could have been almost 30 years since you've heard these audio clips that we'll be playing for you tonight. So buckle up, fans. We have an exciting, exciting list for you, a different format than the usual Beyond the Bells, but I thought it'd be fun to actually list it in 25 signs. So don't go crazy if one side's over another. They're not ranked in any specific order, but let's just go over the 25 signs you're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. We'll start off with 25. 
The first twins you saw in wrestling were the Hebner referees after Earl screwed Hulk Hogan out of the WWF Championship in 1988. If you recall, that was at Saturday night's main event. Number 24, you actually cared that the Honky Tonk Man had the longest Intercontinental Championship title reign. And leads us to number 23. You remember seeing the Ultimate Warrior end the near 15-month tenure in just 30 seconds at the first SummerSlam. We talked about it two weeks ago in our SummerSlam Spectacular series. Number 22 on the list. You feel Ted DiBiase Sr. far outshines Ted DiBiase Jr. That's as of right now. You would hope. He surpasses the original Million Dollar Man, the priceless son of MDM. Has it quite lived up to the expectations we've we've really hoped for for Ted Jr.? He's had the Marine. He started the Marine Two. He's had movie opportunities. They gave him a couple pushes, but never really the hardcore push. The one we're seeing behind his current tag team partner and previous. Uh, legacy teammate in dashing Cody Rhodes. So we're hoping possibly towards the end of 2011, maybe to 2012, we'll see the emergence of Ted DiBiase Jr. Now, wrestling fans, let's take a look back at the career of one of the greatest managers in the 1980s, if not in the entire history of professional wrestling, and that is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan was one of the most dynamic personalities in sports entertainment for over four decades. Forced to drop out of the seventh grade to care for his family, Bobby Heenan found work in a world he grew up idolizing, the world of professional wrestling. In the early 1970s, Bobby Heenan moved from the Chicago wrestling circuit to the American Wrestling Association and discovered that his destiny was that of a manager. Yeah, I was wrestling in uh, the AWA in, up in Minneapolis. Bobby the Brain Heenan, to what do we owe this special visit on All-Star Wrestling? From now on, Bachwinkle and Stevens, the only thing they have to do is put their shoes on and get in the ring. Bachwinkle does have the aid of one Mr. Bobby Heenan, and I can't help but think that somewhere along the course of action in this match, Heenan is going to be involved not only outside the ring, but inside as well. I'm handling their travel, I'm handling their money, I'm handling their matches, I'm handling their bookings. The heavyweight champion of the world. And the, world and the champion, only way Vern Gagne is, is going to take that belt and the title is to beat him in the ring. And Gagne, you're not man enough. Ladies and gentlemen, right now we have a special presentation in our ring. Okay, I'd like to present this on the trophy for the manager of the year, Mr. Bobby Heenan. Thank you, Bill. So from now on, when you see Bachwinkle, you see Stevens, you see Heenan. When you see Heenan, you're going to see Bachwinkle and Stevens. And I don't like Loudmouth, and I don't like Big Mouth. And I pulled it off. That's why I'm manager of the year four times, four times, four times, four times in a row. Bobby Heenan's ability to stir an audience's emotions made him an instant draw. His controversial managing style was loathed by fans and coveted by wrestling promoters seeking out charismatic personalities. The Brain's reputation eventually caught the attention of the World Wrestling Federation. When I, I went to work there and met Vince, and a uh, very charming man, and he made you feel like you finally found the job you wanted. You sound like you're part of the family. Vince's production was different. 
and he's more demanding. But it was exciting because it was new and it was different. And you just, damn it, you just knew it that this thing was going to take off and be the biggest thing there ever was. In March 1985, Bobby Heenan truly hit the big time when he managed Big John Studd in a classic match against Andre the Giant. For $15,000 in a haircut, we're eliminating Andre the Giant from professional wrestling. Oh yeah, a lot of glad handers around here today. Keep your hands out of there, pal. Introducing first to my left, the manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain worried, pacing up and down at ringside. This man is in trouble and at 15,000 is on the line. Andre now going to work on the lake. Look at this. Andre picks him up. He's on down. Andre looking for the money. He's got it. 25,000 plus on their feet is Andre. Slams. Look at this. He's going to money out. Bobby the Brain heated, grabs the bag with the money. The Brain was one of the World Wrestling Federation's most hated personalities, managing some of the top players in the game. Heenan's weasel-like ways made him a man WWE fans just loved to hate. When I signed this man, every member of the Bobby Heenan family welcomed him. Bobby the Brain Heenan, the greatest modern professional sports. I'm going to be the next heavyweight champion of the world. You know, it's like we said. The Heenan family, you don't mess with us. Mr. Burton! Guys, we're the going up there, Nobody beats Mr. Perfect. Nobody. What I'm talking about is listening to me. Do it for the family. That's what I'm talking about. It was just an array of talent here. It was hard to say which one was the best because they were all different. It's like I've had eight very successful marriages. Number one promotion had a number one talent. I was part of it. Bobby Heenan had so much heat and was so over at one point, he overshadowed his wrestlers. And the people get into calling me Weasel. Weasel! 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 Bobby was so red hot as a manager, all he had to do was one weasel chant, turn his head, and the place erupted. It was so fitting because he had a character where he would talk tough, but when confronted individually, he was a coward. He was a weasel. And it's pajama time. He may not want to wake up to see this. I don't have fur on my body. I do not have a tail. But he has a tail, right? Take a look, kid. You see a tail on me? Do you see any whiskers? You see any nose in here that looks like a weasel's nose? They hated him and booed him, but yet they enjoyed when he came out because he was entertaining. He was very animated. The suit has claws and everything. This is a, very much a, a replica of a weasel. I was laughing so much to watch Bobby Heenan tripping and falling down and not knowing where he was going. It was just a riot to see him. Chasing his tail. <laughs> so I never mind being called the weasel. If you didn't call me the weasel, uh, I would have probably called myself the weasel.
Pfizer in my stomachs. The adrenaline's flowing through my veins, and I'm getting ready. It was exciting. See, I was busy. I wasn't just worried about the Andre match. If I had to go with Harley Race, I think I went out with Hercules Hernandez, and I had changed between them, and then I had to get ready for the Andre match. So I wasn't really concerned with WrestleMania until I put on the white suit and got in the cart. And I said, Andre, what are we going to do? He said, don't worry, boss. We took off in that golf cart. Accompanied by his manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. And then I, I looked around and I said, man. I didn't look at the people. I said, there are millions and millions of people at home watching this. I said, here I am, seventh grade Ray. I'm going to be in history. The Brain obviously despondent. What a chance this was for him to make all his dreams and wishes come true. But at that moment, I thought, my God, and I feel good. While WrestleMania III was the highlight of Heenan's managerial career, his future still looked bright. It was in the late 1980s when Heenan teamed up with the legendary Gorilla Monsoon. And that was a thrill, new in prime time with Gorilla Monsoon. For humanoids like you white suckers out there that can't make the payment on your 65 Plymouth, they're going to repo. They were just great together. They were funny to watch. And uh, that's probably why they, they had a good relationship together. Uh, have you got a lot, lot of cards and letters? Yeah. I was just going to mention, there's a lot of people concerned about me. I understand that, uh, well, in Beverly Hills, I happen to know that my mailman right there is hunchback. I'm just carrying my mail. You stop. You have a rifle. Will you stop? Just wait a minute. We're on the area. Absolutely. It was obvious to me. It was obvious to everyone there. Bobby Heenan would always come with something that was off the wall, a statement that you would least expect. I told him not to touch that midget. You never touch a midget. You never know where they've been. You're disgusting. You're completely disgusting. I don't know. It was like... We, we laughed about the same thing. We had, he would pick up on some I said, this is before we ever were together on air. And we'd say something dress him, and I'd say something, he'd say something, and we, everybody laughed at both of us. And it was just a, a magical blend that probably will never be produced again. I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever be able to work with anybody like him again or if I ever care to work again. But it was just a ball. He was a friend. I think that's the main thing. There was nothing he could do would make me mad. And vice versa, we were friends. He never tried to upstage me or me to get worn in on him. No, he'd give me lines uh, so I could sing him. And I'd give him stuff. And we'd talk. We never wrote anything down. and rehearse. Right underneath the donkey, running for his life now. I knew sooner or later he'd make an ass out of himself. And it just worked. It was, it was really magic. And when they said that in Hollywood, how I worked with this star and worked with this star, it was magic. This was, th th this was what work should be. Having fun at what you do, it wasn't work. This was fun. I miss him very much. Heenan's knack for comedy was undeniable and prompted Vince McMahon to try a new experiment. The Bobby Heenan show was a blast. Doing that was, I see people still come up to me asking me about that all the time. We're here making television history right now. It was a creation of Vince McMahon. And I had Lori Alfred Hayes as my announcer, and uh, I had the Rosati sisters as my oinkettes. And now, here are Bobby's oinkettes. And uh, I had this moron named Jameson would come sit on the couch. This is Jameson. He's a resident moron here. He, he would just, he would always be damp. 
You know, it was always sunny out, so I don't know where the guy had been. You know, and he always had that aroma of kind of like a you know, Parmesan cheese and a, and a Buick. So it, it was kind of a, it was kind of funny. You can put your finger on. Uh, other than that, uh, he was useless. When these people come on, they were they were straight. They were shooters. I just kept telling them, you guys stink. And they kept saying, yes, yes we do. You couldn't stop anybody. I had these three sisters on there weighed 400 pounds in spandex. Let's see if you fans can guess where the ball valve is on those suits. <laughs> ah, you'll never guess that. Uh, I know what you people are thinking right now, that something's on the stove and you smell bacon cooking. No, it's just the lights are hot. Oh, it was beautiful. And I would tell everybody how bad they were. Just like American Idol. I just had mine was American Imbecile. But it was fun to do, and I really enjoyed that. And then doing the pay-per-views at Monsoon and Vince McMahon. The television end was just fun for me. Bobby the Brain Heenan. You hated him. You loved him. The Brain, without a doubt, will go down in history as one of the WWE's most colorful personalities. So I just had as much fun as I can. I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life. I never thought I could do it. All they know is what they see, and... They got their money's worth, and I made them happy. That's fine. And we both, it worked. Number 21, the 21st sign. You're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. I feel like David Letterman here going down the list. Nevertheless, number 21, Randy Savage's double axe handle from the top rope to the floor was the coolest high-fly move you had ever seen. We saw CM Punk try to duplicate it uh, the Monday Night Raw after the Macho Man passed away. And when he wore the tights of the Macho Man, the boots and the and the pink tights that the Macho Man wore during his initial run in the World Wrestling Federation. We saw CM Punk try to duplicate it, but it wasn't quite as fluent as the Macho Man's double axe handle. So you could say that was a move that's one of a kind. And you really saw how special that move was and how difficult it is to perform. Oh, man, did you know people were going crazy over me? They were clawing at me and fighting You, I am hot rod. I am what did you tell me something. What did you think of me? I'll tell you, you had to be at your best in this <laughs> world. one of the best. No, oh, and I was great. Was I not great? I mean, I thought, I had women. I had women there going... <laughs> Please, Roddy Piper, please. Well, I, I know about your fans. Well, I have fans. I have fans coming out of my ears and my yin I have people, and you know, I'm the kind of guy, I'm a true man. I don't want to be bothered with fans. Fans are the kind of thing that bother me. I don't want... Hello? Gentlemen, I got some of your fans out you here. You tell them, wait a second, you tell them they can wait. I don't need nobody. That's no way but... to preach your fans. Awesome. I am Roddy Piper. They can wait for it. Are you kidding me, man? I am someone. I'm not. My fans want me. They can wait. My fans. <laughs> what do you want? You mean laughing at me? These are not my fans. Are you? Number 20, you loved watching Saturday morning TV wrestling, even if almost every single match was a squash. 
Well, Hulkamania is truly running wild, and Hulk Hogan, you're the focal point of it all. Well, you know me, Gene, it is common knowledge that Hulkamania is running wild. And more than that, everywhere I go, all the traveling, I get to meet each and every one of those Hulkamaniacs personally. And you enjoy doing that, I would assume, to, to get to meet your fans in person. Well, that's what it's all about. They've got the same kind of psych I do. And once we meet in person, it's a bond that'll last forever, like a love affair. A love affair that goes on forever. They're calling it Hulkamania. Well, Hulk, as long as you like to meet and greet fans across the country and around the world, I wonder if I could prevail upon you to meet some members of my family. I would love to meet your family. When can I meet them, Gino? Right now. Come on in. This is my mother, Jean. Oh. Hulk Hogan. Come on in. My lovely wife, Jeannie. Beautiful. Good to see you again. It's been a while. And this is my daughter, Bobby Jean. Hello. And this is my son, Mean Gene Jr. Mean Gene, teeny weeny genie. You better do some working out, man. He's kind of skinny, Mean Gene. You notice anything different about him? Number 19. You thought Jimmy Snuka was the coolest dude in wrestling in 1982. You got it, brother. Mean Gene here with the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. Trademark of yours. Of course, around the country, around the world for that matter... When you get in that ring, thousands of people on hand, and you rip those t-shirts off, it cranks their socks up. Well, me and Gene, whenever I get ready for the combat zone, that gets me real psyched up, man, when I start ripping this shirt off. But you know something? You've got a trademark, too. Every time I see me and Gene behind that microphone, you're always sharply dressed in this tuxedo. But you know, I could make you even meaner than you are if you would start ripping that tuxedo off before you get out there. How about it? Hulk, there's no way. I can't rip a tuxedo off anyway. It's a little different with a t-shirt. That's got to be tough enough, but a tuxedo, impossible. Oh, Mean Gene, just give it a try. First thing you got to do, man, is take this coat off. Come on. Get ready. And then what you got to do, you got to look right in that camera at all them fans. Get psyched up. Lock them thighs and tries in and start ripping, man. You ready? Let's go for it. You've got to be kidding me. Mm, come on, Gene. Pump up, man. All right. That's it, Mean Gene. Number 18. Jerry Lawler wasn't the real king of wrestling in your eyes. It was clearly Harley Race or Haku. I definitely fit into that mold because I wasn't really a Harley Race fan, uh, a Jerry Lawler fan. I was more a King Harley Race or a King Haku fan because that's what I watched. This was That's what I truly followed was the New York. Uh, territory, the World Wrestling Federation. Hello, hello, you beautiful bombshell. You, yeah, as pretty as you are, you're really dumb. You want to take the car. I have sheets and presidents to meet. I have people to see. You want to take your car and just move this piece of junk along, man. But my car won't start. I don't know. Maybe it's the transmission or... Oh, your car won't start. Maybe it's... Out of gas? Oh, maybe it ran out. Of, maybe it's your dress. Oh, whoa, it's me. I think that you're talking to Hot Rod. Ran out of gas. Hello? Yo, gas. Get in there. Hot back train. Work. Is there anything what was wrong? Transmission? Let's just shake it around. And here we go. We got the transmission working. Your hair is fluffed. You're looking pretty. Are you ready to move? Yo ho. Car. Start now. I have sheets of presidents to see. Do you want to take that pretty blonde hair and just roll along, would ya? <laughs> Number 17. Your holy trinity included Captain Lou Albano, Classy Freddie Blassie, and the Grand Wizard. Three of the greatest managers of all time. 
let's take a look back at the career of Greg the Hammer Valentine. What I was doing and, you know, it paid off. Referee Dick Wally has the count going. Exchanging the blows. Back and forth. Santana. Valentine. Look at him go. Tooth and nail. Back and forth. Wait a minute. There is the pin. But I believe the bell sounded. And he didn't mind me hitting him hard. And that's a big thing because a lot of guys, you know, if I can't chop him, if I can't hit him, you know, lay him in a little bit, um, and and they're having a problem with that, then the match has a, a problem. And Tito didn't care. He didn't care. Big tag of Valentine coming in. Valentine moved to the tag team division, where he teamed up with Brutus Beefcake to form the Dream Team, managed by luscious Johnny V. This young man right here, the greatest professional athlete in the World Wrestling Federation today and the best looking too, if I might add, myself. We went all the way to the top to together. It wasn't overnight, it was planned, you understand? We hit the track every day, we hit the weight room every day, we conversed and confided in Luscious Johnny. People think it was done overnight. Well, actually it was. Brutus was still pretty green when they tagged him up with me, but... He hung in there, and, and he, he got himself in great shape. Well, he was always in good shape, but good wrestling shape. I want to bring in perhaps one of the most impressive tag teams I have seen in a long, long time. And I've had an opportunity to cover this great sport for the better part of a decade and a half. And I could only be talking about the British Bulldogs, the Dynamite Kid and Davey Boy Smith to my left. We had a lot of great matches with the British Bulldogs. The British Bulldogs were a couple of really tough hombres, and... Man, you know, those those matches were classics, and I was really, really, really satisfied with those matches we had. They were they were fantastic. Perhaps shoulder breaker. Oh, and well executed. You called it, Gorilla. Oh, look at that. He didn't want a three count. I can't believe it. You've got to be kidding me. The Hammer taking a big chance here. Probably could have had a three count. Davey Boy perched up on that second rope. What's he thinking about? People love that, the matches we have with those guys, and I did too. Valentine is one of the few superstars to achieve great success both on his own and in the tag team ranks. Greg the Hammer Valentine's legacy as a tough, no-nonsense performer of the 1980s was formalized during his WWE Hall of Fame induction in 2004. I just want to say this one's for you, Pop Johnny Valentine. Thank you very much. I really had a passion for it. My dad had a passion for it, and I had that same one. I really loved it, and uh, I loved the sport. 
I just wanted to know that I was the consummate pro and, and that's the way I'd like to be remembered. Number 16, you got pissed when someone bled in an angle on the syndicated shows and the WWF blocked the screen with a big red X. Uh, I think the clip that brings to mind, uh, I guess, one of the biggest clips of that big red X on the syndicated shows was when Jake the Snake Roberts had his snake bite the Macho Man Randy Savage on the arm and you saw the blood drip out of the Macho Man's uh, arm as he was tied up in the ropes and had a big red X. Another moment where you saw that big red X, if I recall, was when Outlaw Ron Bass took his heel spur and dug it into the forehead of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. You saw that big red X show up on the screen. It made it more serious and, and more dramatic, but it took up most of the screen. You couldn't see anything. Mean Gene here along with Captain Lou Elpano, former world-class wrestler, and now one of the truly great managers in professional wrestling. Such a he-man sport. Professional wrestling just loaded with macho men. Like currently one of the great stars, Macho Man Randy Savage, Camper. It's unbelievable, Gene. You got Macho Man Randy Savage, and I also consider Hulk Hogan the number one macho man in the country today. Then you've got Tito Santana, and you've got uh, Andre the Giant, and you've got, uh, let's not forget, Rick Steamboat. He's certainly a macho man. And you've got the English Bulldogs, and I even consider George Steele a macho man. And you want to know something, Gene? I consider myself a macho man or a macho person, as they say today. But I'll tell you physically, mentally, you've got to be a rough, tough, rugged individual. And certainly you've proven that through the years in this great sport, just like you do in football, basketball, hockey, and baseball. Well, that's enough now for Gene. I'm going to play with my little rubber ducky. i got to take a bath. Well, I can understand that rubber ducky. <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, Another Lou. beauty. Captain. Oh, no. When we return, fans, we'll break down the top 15 signs you are a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. So we'll return with more Beyond the Bell after these words. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. The official fragrance of Beyond the Bell. <laughs> Practice. You know, now there's a fragrance that puts it all on the line. Arrogance. Whether it's a forehand, a backhand, every shot's a winner because women Navrata love it. Arrogance for men will make you the number one seed. One shot and you'll be in the royal box. I don't know that. Let me tell you something. Nobody knows more about being cool than the hitman. And let me tell you something. It is not cool to smoke. Be a survivor and don't smoke. Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps, sexy of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks2headlines.com. That's headlocks, the number two, headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, triple W dot headlocks to headlines.com. Yeah, 
Billy, you know Dad doesn't allow action figures on the table. But you said no, I Billy. could. <laughs> hey, hon, that's no action figure. That's WWE superstar Randy Orton. Where'd you get him? Kmart. Isn't he so cute? Bring home all the action of the ring with WWE toys, DVDs, t-shirts, bedding, and more. And now get $15 off your next purchase of WWE merchandise when you buy $40 of WWE gear. Do you have a kung fu grip? When you try to take wrestling out of professional wrestling, that makes zero sense to me. We are setting the standard. The time is now for Impact Wrestling to make its mark. There's nothing fake about what we do. It's always best when it's based on real, true life. The travel is real. The bumps and bruises are real. The mat is real. The wrestling ring is real. We fall down. We get hit over the head. We, we get thrown out of the ring. That's all real. The injuries are real. It's all about wrestling. It's all about ending up a winner and a loser in this ring. People love to come out and see a battle. There's not resolution in life many times, but there is resolution on Impact Wrestling. Since 1996, Audio Wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. It's time. It's time to stop the name calling, the hurt, the bullying. Because of race, creed, color, sexual orientation. It's time to treat everyone like you want to be treated. It's time. It's time. It's time to eliminate. Eliminate. Eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Eliminate the hate. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Wrestling Radio Tips on how to host your very own wrestling radio show. Wrestling Radio Tip 101, take listener phone calls. Here's how it works. You set up a phone line, and when a listener calls in, you answer just like this. All right, let's let's go back to the phone lines. Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? What? Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? What? Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Okay. <laughs> I I don't really follow Hulk Hogan because I, I just kind of find him up to be a, a washed up douchebag. Skeet 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 skeet. Yeah. It it it's been at the warehouse with with Sincata just starting in WWE. The t-shirts and the mask have been up in the sky. You know, so your tennis shoes are in the side. I told Julio to hold up on them. All we have to wait for the shoelaces to come in. In the bottom sole. What? 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 Ah, <laughs> come on, man. You think that's the last thing you want? <laughs> okay. Well, what you gonna do, brother? 
Well, I just take off my shirt. Yeah! Say my prayers, eat my vitamins. Yeah! Say no to the holy God. And I'm gonna go after you, brother. Yeah! Yeah! What you gonna do when the two-inch pythons run wild on you? <laughs> Bye, nigga! Can you dig it, dig it, sucker? Sucker! This is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion, and you're listening to SNS Radio Network. Sunday night showdown. Welcome back, fans, to Beyond the Bell, as we're featuring the 25 signs you're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. Different show for you fans lined up this week, a little extra show. It's not as long as the other shows we'll have for you, but I thought it'd be fun to break down the madness that we are in terms of pro wrestling uh, fanomania, as I like to call it. Us being the crazed fans and me being an 80s baby, an 80s child, I want to break down the signs that you're a 1980s wrestling fan. So we'll kick off the remaining 15 signs with number 15, and that is you can actually hum the theme song for Saturday night's main event. Number 14, you would have killed the Iron Sheik if Sergeant Slaughter hadn't already kicked his ass. Those two had such a storied rivalry, and I cannot wait to talk about it on a future epic encounter, Sergeant Slaughter versus the Iron Sheik. Sheik and Volkov face tag team champions Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham at the first WrestleMania in a hotly anticipated title match. And look at this. Oh, he nailed him with a cane. The Iron Sheik got a hold of Blassie's cane and nailed Windham from behind up. He's going to get caught on the chest. Nicola was a good partner for me against Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Take a look at the car on its feet. 
Christian Volkoff were to hold the World Tag Team title for nearly three months. People, they call USA, USA, but everybody know Russia, number one, Iran, number one, cameraman zoom it. Now I'm going to show Nikola how to sit top a camel and how to ride the camel to people know the she grew up with that beautiful animal, and that's the one of the beautiful, my children. You think this is a beautiful animal? Exactly. You got fleas all over the cockamamie. Look at the beautiful face. You've got horrible face. I'm going to show you Nicola how to ride the camel. That's it. See? See how intelligent he is? Even he's intelligent than Hulk Hogan. All right. Exactly. English is my second language, but I know how to speak slowly and good way the people understand about my point and what I'm talking. The Iron Sheik. The Sheik continued to team with Volkov until 1987, when an arrest for marijuana led to both national headlines and the Sheik's departure from the World Wrestling Federation. As the 80s came to a close, the Sheik briefly worked for WCW. His return to the World Wrestling Federation in 1990 as Colonel Mustafa, an Iraqi ally of Turncoat Sergeant Slaughter helped unite the nation in its universal hatred of the former Patriot. But his swan song was his triumphant return at the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17. Good attitude is number one. I had a good attitude from day first. I believe myself, I believe my background. They love me or they hate me. I'm not in between. And all of them, they know I'm rare. They hate me, but anytime they see me, they still they like me. My philosophy was to give my wrestling fans a good match, the best match. And anytime I go in the ring, they hate me, but still, uh, even they hate me, but still they respect me. The Iron Sheik is an unforgettable ring persona of the 80s. God bless all my wrestling fans and have a good day. Yeah! He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005. Number 13, the late Frankie Williams appearance on Piper's Pit, pleasing your mind on occasion. That... Right there when Roddy Piper said, when you know all the answers, I change the questions. Right there, the debut of Piper's Pit, having a no-name Frankie Williams on the show. And when you can remember it, on occasion, it shows the importance and how monumental that one, one specific segment of the show was in the world of professional wrestling. And no one will ever forget Frankie Williams on Piper's Pit. That is, if you're a true 1980s WWF wrestling fan. Number 12. Sign number 12. You know which prelim wrestler was unpredictable? Which used a loaded black forearm pad, if you know what I mean, Mr. (coughs) Iron Mike Sharp, and which hailed from the Isle of Malta. Sign number 11. You remember when it was common for the crowd to loudly chant, Boring. You still kind of hear it now, but it was so prevalent in the 1980s. The story of Roderick George Toombs begins in the Great White North in a place called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That's where I was born, but I didn't really have a particular place that I called home. 
As the streetwise Roderick grew older, he bounced around from home to home and developed an interest in playing a musical instrument which would forever become his trademark, the bagpipes. When I got my first wrestling match, I was living in a youth hostel, and I wasn't doing too well in school. So Father O'Malley, you know, he says, no, Roderick, he says, this is what's going to happen to you. You're not doing good at school, he says. He says, what you're going to do, you're going to go out some night, you're going to be cold, you're going to rob a 7-Eleven, they're going to catch you, they're going to put you in jail, they're going to rape you, then they're going to kill you. <laughs> Do you know this for sure? <laughs> Tell you what I got. He says, have you ever seen professional wrestling? He says, I can get you $25. You know, that was like three months rent. So I told my pipe band, and they were so proud of me. The first time I came into the ring, I had four pipers, a bass drummer, two snares, and I was 167 pounds. From the guy I wrestled, his name was Larry Henney. 320 pounds, six foot five. He had shoulders like coconuts, pumpkin for a head, hair on his teeth, and it was my first world record that night. Bell rang, and then the bell rang. <laughs> Shortest match in the history of the Winnipeg Arena, 10 seconds. I still think I hold that record. I come back and he says, Kid, how'd you like to go to Kansas City? Now, I didn't say this, but I thought, you know, is Larry Henning going to be there? You know? And then, no, they put me in a van, and that's how I got into pro wrestling, and I never stopped. My first break, I came a guy named Leo Garibaldi. I got my bagpipes, you know, I'm playing my bagpipes, and Leo's looking, Leo Garibaldi, he's a booker, he's looking at me like, what the hell am I going to do with this? Uh, he went out and he says, kid, I'm going to give you a big break. This guy named Javarook, I want you to wrestle him. I don't want you to touch him. He's going to beat the dog out of you. Then he's going to pin you one, two, three. The guy walks away. Big break. Big break. Let me think about that. So I went in there with the bagpipes and this guy Javarook, whose name, real name was Johnny Rods, uh, and I got in the ring and he just beat the dog out of me. Next week, Leo Garibaldi made me this guy's manager. And the interview was, I've never been beaten up so bad, I'm on his side. And that was the first time I had a microphone put in my hand. After Piper's big break, he found himself moving around from territory to territory along the West Coast. His improving skills and controversial antics impressed all around him and the legendary nature boy himself, Ric Flair. One of the hardest things for a wrestler to do, professional wrestler to do, is once he's got a break, to give his notice. Because in those days, so many different territories, what if it doesn't work for you yet? What if there's not a Javarook? Well, there was a guy uh, on the East Coast making a bit of a name for himself. His name was Ric Flair. And they asked me to come to Charlotte, North Carolina. I guess the whole world knows now that the greatest wrestling in the whole entire wide world comes right out of the Mid-Atlantic area, and Roddy Piper and I are glad to be here, brother. Piper came in 1977. I've never stopped being entertained since. He um, brought a breath of fresh life to the industry, I think. Ric Flair, uh, I got so much respect for him. Rick and I were so different, you know, I wear a kilt, Rick doesn't, <laughs> he's blonde, I ain't, you know, uh, that we got along real well outside the ring. Piper and Flair have <laughs> formed a pact, and where there's trouble, we won't be hard to find. 
inside the ring we were, we were both competing to to be the best that we could be during that time probably is when I got much polish and refinement in two areas the actual wrestling match he was a very very hard-working very determined guy Claire turning twisting fighting Piper riding it the other 45% of it was how original you can be on interviews. He just picked up the microphone and started talking. He was entertaining. He gave him a subject and off he went. I am going to keep on coming until you can't handle it no more. Pretty soon the old arm's going to go like this. The old neck's going to be quivering. The shoulders you see behind, the boys is backing down. He could make you madder than hell. He could make you laugh. He could make you cry. He could do any, he could bring out any emotion possible just by talking to you for five minutes on a stick. He was great. The greatest talker in the wrestling business, without a doubt, is Roddy Piper. It put me on the map as, we better take a look at this guy. There was a lot of jealousy. There was a, a definite Mason-Dixon line. The McMahons came down as far as Washington, and Crockett's picked up at Richmond. And you didn't cross that line. And uh, Shea Stadium, they, with Bruno and Larry Zbysko, this $500,000 house, unheard of. I got them all, the South, all up in arms. And so they decided to make this first pay-per-view, uh, trying to beat the gate. You are watching history in the making. And Jimmy Crockett says to me, I want the most brutal match. They're going to take 12 foot of loggers chain, 40 pounds of chain. I want you to check it out. Sling it across the ring. Then they're going to take a dog collar. Had him made up myself, went down to the pit bull factory. <laughs> Got little nasty studs on it. For the first time in the history of all professional wrestling, you're going to see something you've never seen in your life before. So now it's time for Starcade, and we're told, don't fool around. Other than your nose and your teeth, we want you to get the job done. We want it so brutal that people will just come back to see this done thing. Jim Crockett has proven that he is certainly a pioneer in a brand new era of professional wrestling. I lost 50% of the hearing in this year from Valentine beating on it. We had made a pact that kind of go for it because that's how much pride that we were willing to give for our profession. And that's what made the difference in the dog collar match. This dog collar match had happened and Vince McMahon Sr. called Jimmy Crockett. And Vince McMahon Sr. had said to Jimmy Crockett, when you're finished with Piper, we'd like him to come up to New York. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the war to settle the score. The hottest ticket in town. The biggest and the best. And tonight, World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan with a title defense against challenger Roddy Roddy Piper. It got attention all over the world. 23,000 strong, not a one of them in their seats. Everybody on their feet. It was the war to settle the score that was the key for WrestleMania. And uh, here's a question for you. This guy comes up to me says, uh, you think you can kick Cindy Lauper in the head and not hurt her? <laughs> huh? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. This ear is still bothering me. I kicked Cindy Lauper. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. And so when we came into WrestleMania, I was determined to keep my commodity strong because I knew I'd never get another chance like that. 
With WrestleMania 1, one of the big attributes was it was held in one of the most prestigious venues in the world, Madison Square Garden, and it was the hottest ticket in New York at the time. And the buzz around the country about this WrestleMania was so strong, it was something that none of us have felt before. And this is still a point of contention between Hogan and I. Who really drew WrestleMania? Did they come there to see Hulk Hogan? Or did they come there to see Hulk Hogan beat up Roddy Piper? And that's why they came there, to see Hulk Hogan beat up Roddy Piper. Big scores to be settled here as WrestleMania makes history. What excitement and action. And what extraordinary athletes are involved in this conversation. Look at this, Roddy just ran across and leveled the champ with a big right hand. That's what made that event and the war to settle the score. The fact that all those guys in there were the real, real deal, with the exception of Mr. T. And uh, <laughs> I didn't like him much. How tired I am of listening to. I pity the fool. You dead meat. You dead meat. I pity you fool. Pity the fool. Pity the fool. Tell me something. How come you wear all them chains around your neck like that? Now, Mr. T really don't like me at all. And the feeling's mutual. You want to see perturbed? Hang on, man. You want to see silly? You want to see... Sign number 10. As we break down the final 10 signs, you're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. The Hart Foundation's matches with the British Bulldogs remain classic bouts to you. And we'll look back at the fu- on a future epic encounter between the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs. That leads us to sign number 9. You recall when Ravishing Rick Rude hit on Jake the Snake Roberts' wife. Again, I see a pattern here. This is going to lead us to another Epic Encounter uh, series. We look at Rick Rude versus Jake the Snake Roberts. I remember most fondly, fondly you can tie this in with sign number nine. I love it because it rhymes. And I'm not the genius here. Another 80s reference. But when Ravishing Rick Rude had the Macho Man's, uh, excuse me, had Jake the Snake Roberts' wife on his tights, had a picture of Jake Roberts' wife on his tights when he was gyrating doing the future of Al Venus's motion. Ravishing Rick Rude and Jake the Snake Roberts had a great feud over the love interest of one Jake Roberts' wife So at the time. So um, if you're a 1980s wrestling fan, there's no way you can forget about Rick Rude hitting on Mrs. Roberts.
Sign number eight, you winced when the WWF debuted the silly blue steel cage to replace the traditional chain link cage in 1986. And you'll see a few of those episodes, a few of those cage matches on the most recent DVD released by the World Wrestling Entertainment, excuse me, WWE now. Not World Wrestling Entertainment, just WWE. But on the most recent DVD released, they look back at the greatest cage matches of all time, and you'll see a few of those matches take place on those big blue bar steel cages. I remember they were fun to set up uh, with the, your wrestling action figures, sure. Setting up the, your uh, toys with the big blue cage around the wrestling ring was fun, but you know, it, it lacked that authenticity, that realism. When you saw the NWA having cage matches with Nature Boy Ric Flair, and you saw that mesh steel uh, fence of a cage that looked more serious, more real and we saw the WWE change it when the Attitude Era came about um, I think one of the last few big cage matches that took place with the blue cage was one of two, was the Mankind Triple H matchup at SummerSlam we talked about it last week on our Summer Sizzler series uh, where we saw Mankind jump off the top of the cage onto Triple H. Uh, it was the 1997 uh, SummerSlam. And then, at least to me, the last big moment of seeing that blue cage on live television was the Monday Night Raw we saw when DX came together, DX 2.0, when the, uh, we saw Cactus Jack and Terry Funk being crucif- in a crucifix motion on the cage when the New Age Outlaws joined Sean Wallman, X-Pac, and Triple H together to reform the brand new D-Generation X. That was pretty much the last time on a big time scale we saw the Blue Cage scene on live television. If I'm wrong, fans, let me know. Reach out to me on the forums. But I truly believe that was the last time we really saw on a big time uh, on a big time stage that Blue Cage being displayed. So for after that, around that point, they went from that we saw the hell in the cell with the huge mesh cage return and then they went back to the or they went to the old school chain link fence cage when we said bye bye to the blue cage with the latest from the world wrestling federation here's gene okerlin As stated starting on page 29 of the new World Wrestling Federation Superstars publication, Billy Graham is one of the most dramatic wrestlers in the world today. The superstar is a rugged veteran who in 1977 became the heavyweight champion of the world. Superstar Billy Graham has returned after taking a few years off from wrestling to rest and rethink his goals. Recently, we spoke with the superstar in his home state of Arizona. You got the superstar right here fixing to eat dinner out here with the snakes, the lizards, the reptiles, and the tyrantulas. Bad to the bone, superstar Billy Graham, back on the wrestling scene, World Wrestling Federation. Here I come, bigger than ever, stronger than ever, more better. I got the scars, you understand, to prove where I've been. Here I come, big John Studd, superstar Billy Graham. You got to deal with the man of steel back on the scene with my dinner. I'm going to eat my dinner right now. Where'd it go? I'm hungry. A giant talker and a flashy dresser, Graham is what he terms a power fighter who relies on strength and intensity to overcome opponents. The superstar is back. And for update... We look back at sign number seven. 
you know where the occipital protuberance is, thanks to Gorilla Monsoon. You know, you can also say the gluteus maximus. Will you stop? Just a couple of the quotes we saw continually from the the extremely knowledgeable Gorilla Monsoon. He knew different parts of the body, but we always remember the occipital protuberance from one Gorilla Monsoon. That leads us to sign number six. You recall a newly bald superstar Billy Graham ripping apart Bob Backlund's WWF championship belt. That was such a, a, a heat-getter, and superstar Billy Graham really set the tone for their feud together as he, that was such sacred ground, no one touches the championship belt, and superstar Billy Graham rips it apart. Oh, my goodness, how can he? Paul Orndorff grew up a gifted athlete from the Tampa area, who early in his career paid lots of dues in different territories, learning the craft of professional wrestling. You know, you got to love what you do. And if you just want to be on TV, nah, it ain't going to get it. That ain't going to work. You know, if you're just doing it for the money, that won't work neither because it won't last long. You've got to really love what you do. And uh, that was my whole mindset. And that's the way I thought and the way I think today. Hiro Masuda was my trainer. Jack Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, Bob Bakulin, these guys trained me. It wasn't no easy deal. I mean, it was hard, and I believe people paying the price. I'm, I truly believe in that. Orndorff's hard work paid off in 1983 when he gained national attention wrestling in Atlanta. And Brenner, look at this, Orndorff, the Brandon Bull. He just hurtled. Starbuck out of the ring, Rich just fired him right back in. A slip mare, and the Brandon Bull has exploded all Georgia Wrestling wanted me to sign a contract. But all they wanted to do was tie me up without any guarantees or anything, without any money. If me and Mr. McMahon Sr. talked several times, and he said, I will take care of you. I've always been heard that he was a man of his word. If he says it, he'll do it. And, um... I've always gone against the wind, you know. I've always been a bit of a rebel. Not that that's uh, something to be proud of, but I I just had a good feeling. I really did. I had a feeling. I was ready. I mean, my work and everything, I was ready. Orndorff arrived at the World Wrestling Federation during the incredible first few weeks of Hulkamania. They had a vision back then, and he had the horses to pull the buggy. Didn't get no better. Everybody's personality was entirely different. Everybody. With the talent we had, uh, it was a win-win situation. Orndorff's bad guy persona was to be featured in the main event at WrestleMania. The vision WWE had was unreal. And they had the horses. I mean, they had the horses. They had the guys. They had the personalities. And then then to bring in Liberace. Then to bring in Cindy Lauper. Then to bring in Muhammad Ali. Then to bring in Mr. T. And put all this in in one night. Oh, huge. Huge. It felt so good. When I was kicking Mr. T's butt really bad, 
and I was so aggressive on him, you know, literally, he, he couldn't get out of the ring. And then when Hogan made that big flurry, and if you could have heard the explosion, that's what it's all about, is to get that final explosion, and you know you've done your job, and you've done it well. That's what it was all about. That was my satisfaction. That was my, uh, that's what you work for. You work the whole night, the whole thing is for the one big, bam. And we got it. And I was so glad and I'm so proud to have been a part of that. Because we all played a part. Every one of us. Hey, I picked you for a partner. I took you under my wing. You lost your guts, brother, and you tell me you didn't. Let me tell you something, Piper. I'm going to tell you what you've been doing. You've been drinking too much of your own bath water is what you've been doing. It was like being in a shark tank. Bob Orton Sr. told me one time when I was just starting. He said, learn your trade. Learn it the best you can. Give the people the money's worth. And when you go out there, you make them watch you. You make them have all eyes on you. I never forgot that. If that's the way you're going to be, brother, I'm going to take my ball and I'm leaving. To heck with you. Betrayed by his former partners, Orndorff's allegiance now went to Hogan. He was the best guy I've ever worked with. And he wanted the same thing I wanted. Go out and give those people their $20 worth of whatever $750 ringside tickets. You give them their hard-earned dollars worth. This is going to be a great moment in television, a great moment in wrestling. You and Hulk Hogan squaring off against Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy. I've been trying to call him. I've been trying to call him five or six minutes. I've been on the phone. He won't come to the phone because he's working out. There nothing was given to me. Nothing. I took it. That's the mentality I had, that I was going to be on top before it's over with. I'm, I was going to be. I've been on the phone. He won't come to the phone because he's working out. I think he seems upset about it. Look at him. Well, Orndorff looked upset. Tensions between the two men from Tampa grew to the breaking point. Ashamed at what I've done to Hulk Hogan. People call it indispensable. You call it what you want. I call it gaining self-respect. I had this vision. I had this plan for myself. And I did it. And what you're doing is you're playing with people's emotions. You know, we can do it as good as any Hollywood people there is, anybody. We can do better, because I guarantee you, we take our own bumps. 
Here we go. Judge, and look at that. We went at it. It's because I could kick his ass. It's that simple. I still could do it. Either in a fight or in the ring, it wouldn't matter. We wanted to prove a point. Two Tampa boys. But if you think we're kissing buddies and hugging this or that, but we still want to do our own deal. And you know how great Terry is to me. To, he, you know, he helped wrestling so much. The Hulkster on the receiving end of even more punishment by the number one contender, Paul Ondor. Ondor, thus far tonight, has really been attacking the head and throat area of the champion. When they think of some of the matches me and him had, they still talk about it. People hated my guts. They hated me. Did I mind it? Hell no. I went to the bank. It's an art. And it's something like golf. You never really master it. But you do. Hulkamania dies tonight. The war between Orndorff and Hogan culminated in Hartford, Connecticut. Inside a steel cage. Both men will probably never be the same after this match is over. Dropped out, dropped out, dropped out. What is going on here? Davis claims Orndorff is the victor. What can you say? Flawless. No, I can't believe that. Best cage match probably ever. People still talk to me about that cage match. You beat him, you come down before him. They still talk about it. Orndorff quietly but suddenly left the World Wrestling Federation. After a few years, he resurfaced at WCW. Orndorff began training wrestlers for WCW at the power plant. I'm proud of what I've done and where I've been. Uh, you've got to love what you do. Paul Orndorff's legacy as one of the most dynamic wrestlers of the 1980s was made official with his 2005 induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. That leads us to sign number five. You know when two men were called King Kong were Bundy and Mosca. Sign number four. You still think WrestleMania three was the best WWF slash WWE show ever. That means you're contesting with the modern day fan who believes WrestleMania 17 was the greatest show. But if you're truly a 1980s wrestling fan, you still think... Hulk versus Andre, Steamboat versus Savage, WrestleMania 3, 93,000, quote-unquote, record, is the better of the two WrestleManias.
Top three are coming up. Signs, no, in no specific order, but we have the final three signs. You're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan. Number three, you know who Joe McHugh, Haas Funk, and Jose Luis Rivera are. I actually met Jose Luis Rivera. He came over to my house when we actually watched uh, a Mike Tyson bout together. Um, I think it was the, the 19 sec, 19 seconds. Uh, Buster Douglas incident with with uh, Mike Tyson, but he actually came over and I received a Los Conquistador mask, which I still have to this day. I'll take a picture of it for you fans and somehow get it uploaded on the forums. But uh, was a friend of the family, and if you know those three names, you're a 1980s wrestling fan. Wrestling fans, without a doubt, the World Wrestling Federation has some of the greatest wrestlers you will find anywhere. But certainly giving credit where credit is due, the gentleman out of Hamilton, Ontario, Iron Mike Sharp. One of the best conditioned athletes you will find in any sport. But Iron Mike, I know you are lay claim to being Canada's greatest athlete. Now, Canada's had some great athletes from Wayne Gretzky to Bobby Hull, Johnny Bright, Wally Moon. The list is endless. First off, why? what gives you the right to lay claim to make that statement? Because I believe it is the truth. I believe in myself. I believe in the record. And I think I've shown all the people, I've shown the whole wrestling world that Iron Mike is number one in professional wrestling. He's just not getting the breaks. He's not getting the chances. People are ducking me right and left. And you know why that is? Because they're afraid of the Iron Man. They're afraid of this big right hand right here, this big arm coming crashing down on their skull. They haven't got the guts to get in there and face me. They haven't got the guts to put their signature on the dotted line. That's what it is. Iron That's Mike. what it's all about. Iron Mike, if I may, speaking of that big right arm, a lot of people in the World Wrestling Federation feel that 
this arm brace gives you an undue advantage that by now the arm should certainly That's be That's not here. true. That is not true. I have explained this all in the past. I've gone over this thoroughly. This is an old injury that was a sports injury. I have permission to wear this. It's just protection. It has no bearing whatsoever on the outcome of my matches. The reason I am able to knock people out with this big right arm has nothing to do with the leather. It is the strength and the power and the endurance in this arm. And nobody wants to face that fact, but it is the truth. And I'll guarantee you, if some of these top names in the business would just put their name on that dotted line and get in with Iron Mike, I would show I'm some sorry, of these people Mike right here. What do you mean? Time, what are you I'm talking sorry, about, Ron? I have a lot more to say. What are you talking about? Hey, the greatest athlete, and you're cutting me off. What's the matter with you for crying out loud? Leads us to sign number two. You realized years later that quick draw Rick McGraw didn't die of natural causes. I won't go into much further. Why don't you Google or search on Wikipedia, Quick Draw McGraw, for any further information on that. And then the number one sign, in no specific order, but the last sign you're a 1980s WWF wrestling fan is, you remember how almost every pay-per-view main event ended with the big boot and leg drop, which will lead us to our old-school theme of the week, and we're talking about the 1980s WWF era, the rock and wrestling era, so what a perfect fit. I don't think we can think of any other song that would fit more perfectly than the immortal Hulk Hogan theme song. So, wrestling fans, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the 1980s WWF Wrestling Fan Edition of Beyond the Bell. And next week, we look forward to another great epic encounter series where the main event will feature the late, great Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. What a great feud between those two. And just added as the undercard for this great lineup will be the feud between Magnum T.A. and Tully Blanchard. So Magnum T.A. and Tully Blanchard will team up with the feud between Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio on the next edition of the Epic Encounter series next week. Can't wait to go over those two spectacular feuds. As well as we have other great programming coming for you fans in the upcoming weeks on Beyond the Bell. So reach us at btbwrestling at gmail.com as well as our official website, beyondthebell.pobby.com and the SNS Radio Network's website, snsradionetwork.com where you can receive all of the great programming on the SNS Radio Network. Once again, that's snsradionetwork.com and the official website for ring announcer Sean Beckerman, www.ringannouncing.com. So that's btbwrestling at gmail.com and ringannouncing.com as well as the snsradionetwork.com. So we have a great lineup coming for you next week with the Epic Encounters series, so buckle up for that. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce a special series I've been working on for you fans. And that is WCW 101. It's going to be a 9 to 10 part series. I've been working on it over the, over the past couple weeks. So we're going to take a look back for you fans that aren't too familiar or would like to brush up on your WCW knowledge. Professor Sean Beckerman will be here for WCW 101. It will be a 9 to 10 part series where we'll break it down in, in segments of the history of World Championship Wrestling, which will also be predated to the NWA. So that's coming up as well. And also in the coming weeks, we have another great theme for you fans, the Oh So Close Edition. 
the greatest stars in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment that did not win the big one, whether it was the World Wrestling Federation Championship or the WCW Championship. So we'll look at the superstars that came oh so close to winning the big one. So I'm extremely excited, to say the least, for the programming in the coming weeks. So fans, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us here on BTB, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week as we'll look back at the Epic Encounter series, Guerrero vs. Mysterio. So fans, thank you once again for joining us on the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast, where we rewind and relive the greatest and worst in the world of professional wrestling. We'll see you next week as we go Beyond the Bell. Stay.